Next on News for the Soul, Eyes Wide Open with Janessa and SJ. We are multifaceted beings living in a multidimensional existence. We hold the power of perception, and this power alone paints our reality. Perception influences the things we see and the things we don't see. Together, we'll explore the mystical and the material, the metaphysical and the physical, the supernatural and the concrete, the seen and the unseen. Please welcome Janessa and SJ back to News for the Soul. Welcome to the Eyes Wide Open show. This week, Janessa and I are talking about the energetics of grief. And in light of that, we are also dedicating this show to Janessa's grandmother, Marilyn, who unfortunately passed but left a beautiful blessing to this earth as she moved on her way. And in honor of her, I believe we have a story about Marilyn. We do. So, hi, I'm one of your hosts, Janessa Finley-Ford, and I am going to bring you all of the mindset, mastery, emotional processing, goodness. Uh, so, the story about my grandma. The first thing that comes to mind that is the funniest thing was after my grandfather passed away, which just happened um, in April of last year, my grandma remained in her home for a few more months before she chose to move into assisted living, which was something she had wanted to do for a while. She was very social. She loved activities. She loved being around people. And, you know, when you're 90 years old, taking care of a house and a property just is a whole different ballgame and project. And my grandma used a walker, and she would use that walker on wheels nearly every single place she went except for when she had a gun. (laughs) There was a video. My cousin got to witness this, and I'm so grateful that he captured it. So my grandma had a couple of bird feeders that they could watch through their living room window, and there were varmints getting her birds, and this was not okay with her. So she took her BB gun outside to get rid of the varmint, and it was just so hilarious watching my grandma, who's giggling and, like, cracking herself up as she's trying to shoot the animals, that she can't hold the gun straight to get a clear shot with her BB gun at the animals, and then she laughs some more. And she stops and she kind of covers her her mouth because she's giggling. And, you know, that was really, I feel like, part of the essence of her. There was always this just jovial spirit underneath it all. So hopefully that brings a smile to your face. And (laughs) please, please don't. Please don't replace your walker if you use one with a gun. I would never suggest that, but it worked out for her. Public service announcement. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So grief, grief and love. Let's talk about love because today is the day of love. And who doesn't love love? Valentine's Day, sending everyone out there a huge heap of love. Also something, my grandma was just this 
absolute power of unconditional love accepted you and loved you no matter what. And grief and love have a really close connection because oftentimes the amount of grief that we feel, people will say, is a reflection of the amount of love that you had for that person. So when we talk about grief in terms of losing a loved one, you can look at it from that angle. But also if you look at it from something that you don't experience, which is a great point that SJ brought up last night in our Stronger Together call in our community about the things that we grieve that we want to have happen and they don't come to be. The amount of love that we believe we would experience if we had lived that experience of life can really also correlate into the amount of grief that we feel. So if nothing more, while it may seem very counterintuitive to talk about grief on the day of love, may this actually free up space in your being to process some of the grief that you have been carrying with you so that you can experience more love, self-love, love from others, love of life, and release the weight that comes with grief when we carry it around and don't fully go into it and process. Yeah, last night in our Stronger Together um, live feed, you shared the stages of grief and how they move or progress forward as well. And a family member brought up, oh, my gosh, I'm still stuck in the portion of anger. And I said, did you muscle test that or is that just cognitively the feeling that you have going on right now? And she's like, oh, I didn't muscle test it. And when you start looking at those stages that Janessa shared, which just to briefly share them, are shock, denial, anger. So anger would have been third up on the list for the stages of processing. Then bargaining, depression, testing, and acceptance. And then when, I just feel like it's so important to share, like, she wasn't hanging out in anger. She's actually, when you test it, hanging out in the testing phase which Janessa had shared with us in the Stronger Together community that you kind of move through or bounce around a couple of the previous stages that you've already hung out in. Um, and just the amount of, I don't know if it's like freedom or gratefulness that she wasn't in one stage versus the other, but understanding how that testing can really play out and how it can look and it's not something that when I connect with my own grief, it's not something that lasts days like there's no timeline of it right like there's no time of it's normal to be in testing for three weeks it's normal to be in testing for two hours it's normal to be in testing for five years there's no timeline with how best to process grief or how long it takes and I think in our human experience one of the things that we really like is qualitative things like how long am I going to be here how long am I going to have this uh, emotional experience before I can move on to the next. And I think we lose a lot of the beauty that can come with the full processing of grief, grief, a lot of the learnings that can come with it as well, but also the honoring of, you know, a love perhaps that was lost or grief can show up in ways of grieving a job you never got, right? Like there's so many things that we can have grief show up for, but I think it's so important to normalize that it is an individual experience 
And there is no right or wrong way to go through that process. There's no timeline that is correct or right or the way to do it. It's all about your experience and you get to choose, you know, how you move through that as a being, mind, body, and soul. Of course, energetics can assist with really getting to those roots of what do we need to know about this stage. But I just think it's so beautiful because grief is something that only you own. Only you get to own that grief that you feel. And no one else can really tell you how to do it, what to do with it, or what it looks or feels like. Grief is for sure an individual journey. And on average, they say that it takes one to two years to traverse through a typical grief cycle. And just to give a little context to testing that SJ had mentioned, because I'm not sure if everyone out there has heard of this concept within the grief processing, but grief is really learning life in this new chapter. And so the testing phase is really trying out different solutions, coping mechanisms um, to deal with the loss and to do life on these new terms that you find yourself in. So if you're not familiar with testing, I just wanted to bring that, um, get down into the weeds with it just a little bit more so you can apply that in your own process. (coughs) Excuse me. With grief, grief can be so sneaky. And when you're in a grief cycle for one to two years, oh, man, sometimes it can be hard to even identify that it's grief. And I had this reflection. I feel like this is one of the things with losing my grandma that I I really began to see in myself, another departing gift from her, was the fact that I had been in this what seemed like an eternity as grief for the past 18 months to two years with the situation that my husband and I were walking through. All the while that I was walking through it, I did not realize that all of this was the grief process. There was, you know, so much trauma involved in our story. And a lot of, I don't know if you want to call them distractions, but it felt like really distracting, there's always the next thing to deal with and to process. And so the ways that these stages of grief showed up for me wasn't necessarily how I had experienced grief in other areas. So, you know, when other grandparents had passed away, I went through the grief cycle much more quickly or other, you know, areas of life that had brought grief into things for me didn't, didn't last as long. And so I had a much clearer understanding of, oh, I'm, I'm angry. Look at this. Like next is, is bargaining. There it is. And now, oh, the sadness because depression, that's just how I connect depression is to sadness, right? Everything's right on time, right on track. But when you're in such a long season of grief, when it doesn't move through so quickly and and it's this enormous new chapter of life, the way that you experience it can be tricky to put your finger on. So for me specifically, the anger that I felt 
was internalized. I was very angry with myself. That may sound weird because on the surface, I would think consciously trying to connect to it. If I were going to be angry in the situation, I would have been angry with the system. I would have been angry with a whole lot of other outward uh, factors or contributors to what we experienced. But I really didn't have a lot of that. I'm not going to say I didn't have any of it, but I feel like that part of the anger I processed through really quickly. The part of the anger I didn't process through quickly was being angry with myself. Or the depression for me really showed up as becoming more of a hermit. I've always been introverted. And so this was nothing new. And I suppose when your husband is published in national news media in not a positive light more than one time, there's even that stronger desire to have safety and to stay in your space. And so these were the things that I rationalized as like, oh, I just want to stay in. It's probably because this is safe and this is comfortable. And I didn't have a lot of motivation. And I thought I didn't have a lot of motivation just because I was so tired. There had been so much to go through and the emotions that just took a lot of energy when actually what I was overlooking was being in the depression phase or cycle of going through the grief. And so I really bring this up for you guys today because where sometimes it should be so obvious that we are experiencing grief and we're going through the various stages of that process, we overlook it because grief can come with such chaotic events that have so many moving parts and pieces that underneath the surface, that grief that's there, it gets overlooked. It just does. Yeah, grief is one of those things, too, that I think anybody who's working with it, even from like a chakra stance, we immediately go to, oh, I feel the grief. I need to work that heart chakra space. I need to really focus on releasing from the heart. But the origination of where that emotion grief first starts from is truly the sacral chakra. That's where the emotion, all of them, that's where all of those emotions can stem from. And oftentimes, if we're working with the chakras to process grief, we have to break it down into the stages. You can't just go like, oh, I'm going to work the grief itself in the heart. We would go to that sacral chakra and say, all right, grief is the overlying energetics that we have going on. But is there something we need to know about the shock, the denial? Is there something we need to know about the anger or the bargaining or the sadness that's coming forward in order to get to the acceptance space? Um, which is that last stage. And when you start connecting with that, I mean, I'm a huge proponent, of course, if you guys have followed the show, you all know this, of muscle testing or pendulum to figure out where you're at and which area is not processing um, in a balanced manner. Because the reality is, is we can't go from shock to acceptance without processing the entirety of the past either. Um, there isn't necessarily an easy button of let me get from point A to point Z without having to live the experience of that loss or the grief that can come forward. We can navigate it easier. We can navigate it more gracefully. We can have assistance and feel comfort through the process, but we do still have to have the process. 
Um, I don't think that we can ever have grief without truly, especially when it's with a person, without truly having felt an intense love for the individual as well. Um, And grief is almost that, it's almost the evidence, like that evidentiary uh, status of I have loved in a way that now my being has to process what that loss looks like from a grief stance too. So when you're connecting in with your grief, if you're kind of having difficulty processing or leaning into it, certainly moving into that sacral chakra is going to probably help a whole lot more than focusing on the heart chakra if the chakra system is something that you're looking at working with to help process the grief. Um, Absolute scalar waves uh, are amazing and available to everyone without having any tools So asking those absolute scalar waves to come into that sacral chakra and assist with the processing of wherever you're at within that stage of grief can be truly amazing to help lean into that or gather the learnings that you need to know, the knowings that need to come forward in order for you to process fully. Um, From a crystal stance with working with that sacral chakra, I love uh, bloodstone, especially if it is a loss of a loved one or an ancestor. Um, that we are trying to move through the process. So bloodstone is beautiful for a crystal to work with when processing. Apache Tears is probably one. If you Google search, you'll find. I I like it for a small period of time. I don't like it for more than because it does have an obsidian component where you can numb a bit with even Apache Tears when processing grief. And I think that's okay for like a 15 minute or so reprieve, but probably not something that is actually assisting with the true processing. It's just giving, excuse me, the being a bit of a break. Uh, Another crystal that I really love at the sacral chakra that's not commonly used there is malachite. Malachite is beautiful at helping us really acknowledge, see, or accept what we don't necessarily want to see, acknowledge, or accept. Um, so from a crystal stance, those would be my main ones to take a look towards. Of course, it is a very individualized experience, though, too. So you may have a different crystal that resonates with you, which I always say your being knows best. So if you are vibing with something like a fluorite or a moonstone to help process that grief, then absolutely lean into that and go with what your intuition says you should do. Uh from an elemental stance, water, certainly ensuring that we are hydrated when we are trying to process anything is going to be helpful because truly water is what helps us lean into our intuition. And it's also what connects us to our emotions outside of the limiting beliefs. And it also helps us transition into a new flow in the easiest manner. So sometimes drinking some water is the best solution, even when we're processing something heavy like grief as well. Can you simply feel the heaviness in the collective right now, just as we're talking about this topic? It's so interesting how we connect negative connotations to grief. I mean, let's be honest, who wants to sign up for a tour through grief? Not really any of us, right? It's not the most amazing thing to experience, but there's, it's like one of the taboo topics really out there like we we don't want to really talk about death and dying and we don't I, I don't know any time I've ever asked anyone hey are you, how are you doing and they tell me oh I'm grieving <laughs> right like 
we just don't get into into conversations around it unless we're seeking out those spaces that hold support for that. So as we talk about this and it brings some of the grief grief up for you all who are listening, I just want you to take a few deep breaths and we're going to help process through and release some of that grief as we as we connect here in the space today because we definitely don't want to carry any more of it forward when it's ready to be released. So just take some in, intentional releasing deep breaths. And maybe that release is going to come with some tears, or maybe you'll feel a surge of anger, just honoring and acknowledging whatever is moving through you. The really incredible thing of grief is that it's an opportunity to reveal you, reveal more of you, reveal the true you, reveal the authentic parts of you. It's an opportunity to go deeper within yourself, especially as we lose particularly family members, because when we're little, we have needs that we have to have met from other people. And a lot of our journey is learning how to meet all of our own needs and not to put our needs on other people. And when we have these family members who have given us the needs that we've always met and then we lose them, if we're not creating ways for us to meet our own needs, then we can forever feel that loss. We can ever forever feel that void and that lacking. And there's really a lot of beautiful things that can happen when you go within and allow the grief to reveal more of your own power, more of your own ability for incredible self-love, more of your own connection, and more of your own fulfillment. And so there is a little bit of a blessing in disguise when we're able to view it that way of not only all the gifts that we've gotten from the people that we've loved and lost, but all of the gifts that come on the other side of it as we continue to fortify our ability to meet our own needs and to create all of our inner parenting and our inner world and our inner structure that we may have been looking outside of ourselves for all along because that's really how we're raised and then we have to switch that outside speaking to the inner speaking. But I think it's also really important. We talked about grief a lot here so far today in terms of lost uh, family members because, of course, with my grandma passing a few weeks ago, um, that, that set the tone for the conversation. However, I don't want to overlook the fact that grief also comes from divorce. It can come from a deep betrayal by someone who you never thought would turn their back on you or betray you in some way. Um, it can come from a career ending or a job loss unexpectedly. It can come from a whole bunch of different situations. And, you know, for me personally, it came from, you know, this loss of a life that I knew and I thought I loved that there is something better on the other side of that whole situation. 
And so having a lot of compassion for yourself as you walk your journey and the road through grief, because if you look for it and you're intentional and you're mindful and you're conscious, the amount of gifts that you're going to receive from grieving is going to make it entirely worth the journey. Yeah, I so agree. Like, good point with that, too. When you start to think about, like, the amount of space that is made through a grieving process of that release of kind of that letting go, like, what are you going to fill that space with in your being? What are you going to choose to take its place? You know, and I think that's where we really all have that huge opportunity to select something that is either uplifting or perhaps not, right? I think that we've probably all have either been through or seen a grieving price process where that space is filled with hate rather than love instead, or bitterness, or something that is less than desirable. And then you think about that, like the weight that's then carried forward, if that's the selection that's made without really looking inward and saying, you know, what do I want this space to be? What do I want it to be filled with? Like, do I truly want to carry the burden of hate or bitterness? Or do I want something new? Do I want a new way of doing life? Do I want it to be filled with love, contentment, peace, joy, happiness, cheerfulness? So I think there's also a portion within the grieving process where we get to really reflect like you touched on, of what are we filling that space with? As we let go of that releasing process, what new is coming in? What are we going to select to be there in its stead? And I just think what a huge opportunity to almost have an entire reinvention of self at the end of a grieving process. You can be something completely new. You can affirm that who you were prior is exactly where you want to be. Or you can select something that you would have never dreamed of prior to the grieving process. The metamorphosis that can come out of a grieving process is beautiful, it's huge, it's extraordinary, and it's something that I think we don't put a lot of emphasis on when we're looking at what is the gift of grieving. And I truly think it's that metamorphosis. And I mean, of course, like what if I start to lean into those shamanic aspects like the butterfly? I feel like is an amazing spirit animal to work with through a grieving process of what are you going to turn into? You know, when we have that grieving process, do we all retreat to that cocoon of silence and solitude and just being with ourselves? Yeah, probably. That probably is something that we all have through a grieving process. But what are you going to emerge as when you decide to come back into that light of day and rejoin you know, the people, the individuals, the world around you. What does that look like? How does it feel? What do you want it to be? You know, do you want to emerge as that beautiful colored butterfly that's something that no one has ever seen before? I think we probably all strive for that if we're reflective and looking inward to, you know, what am I going to look like on the other side? What does my life look like on the other side? And sometimes looking at that future I don't want to say we want to look too far into the future because we have to stay in the present as well. But what does your future look like on the other side of grief can certainly bring a lot of joy and comfort uh, to that process too, of what's it, what's it, what's it like in two years? What's it like in five years? What do I think, feel and see then? Yeah, I think as 
we garner that hope from looking to the completion of a grief cycle, it's a great opportunity to mention that sometimes for those that know the stages of grief or have heard of them, have a misnomer around the fact that acceptance is that end line, the finish line of grief when it isn't actually. Acceptance is accepting the loss, accepting the new reality. You're still going to have emotions and feelings, potentially. Everyone's different, but it's very common to still have more processing through the grief and to revisit some of the other phases of the grief, even once you get to acceptance. Acceptance isn't the completion of the grief cycle. This is a portion of it. So I am curious what you see um, within your modalities and your experience of particularly grief and loss of family members, how the loss of the family members affect the family dynamics, and if those family patterns just stop once that person passes. Um, yeah, I think I'll leave the question at that for now. Um, well, does the family pattern or dynamics stop once that person passes? I would say from my experience, no, it doesn't just end. That energetic thread, that cord is still present within the family line until someone or a few people choose to sever and release that cord, that thread of that pattern. And I mean, it really is like a tapestry, like you have to unravel it for it to truly be something different. And, you know, with the unravel, there's also a rebuild, a remake of the tapestry into something completely new. Uh, so, no, the, the pattern is still present. It wasn't ever actually about just that person, especially when we're talking about family dynamics, because it takes more than one person to create a dynamic. So even if we lose that one individual that perhaps the blame was placed on, for creating the family dynamic, it's still present. There were other participants in those energetics, and typically those other participants are either still with us in this world or have passed down their belief systems to someone else within the family as well. So it's a new taking the place. Someone else might take the place of that matriarch or patriarch that passed in their role or character that they were playing but the dynamics are all still there. I think that there is always, especially when we lose a matriarch or a patriarch of a family, like when we lose those like figureheads, I think there is always that kind of shuffling of the deck is always what comes to my mind of who is going to assume that role of guiding, of leading, who's going to take that place. And I think sometimes those can be sticky energetics because oftentimes we're talking about parents, that oldest sibling assumes that it must be them, even if perhaps that's not really a role they want to play. Like maybe they don't want to have that responsibility for guiding the family, or maybe they overtake that responsibility of, oh my gosh, I'm a failure, I family, if I can't keep it together. So there can be a huge responsibility shift, sometimes in unbalanced and unhealthy ways. Uh, when we lose individuals within a family of almost pushing ourselves into a role that perhaps we don't even want to be in, when we could create something completely different within our family dynamics than what was there. And I think it's interesting to me because cognitively, 
oftentimes we see the dysfunction, but then we'll still lean into keeping the status quo because that's what feels comfortable or the norm. Even if we would, if you ask that individual, like, do you truly believe that X, Y, Z is true? They would say no cognitively. But if you look at the actions, I think sometimes we just default as humans to what we know and what feels normal, even if cognitively we know that it's not uh, balanced. And that's why I say, like, it can't all be cognitive, can't all be about what you think. It also has to be that entire embodiment of who we are as a spirit, soul, uh, and individual as well. Yeah, there's for sure a correlation between the amount of, you know, if you want to call them family patterns um, or grievances that are held within the family member and the grieving process and what that's like for each individual. And so the cleaner energy that you can do life and do relationships with does ease the experience as you go through grief. And so I am really grateful with both of my grandparents that have passed just within this last year to have the relationships that I had with them. And I got to spend around a week or just a little less with both of them right before their passing. And you know, like like I mentioned, like the taboo topics, we don't really talk about death or dying a whole lot in our society or culture. And um, I just feel compelled <laughs> to share. That is so freaking sacred. Like it's such a sacred time to be present in someone's life. And I know it takes a certain character <laughs> to be able to be there and to be compassionate and caring. And so a shout out to all the people who work in hospice and can walk through that transition with people every day for what they do. It's incredible. But the memories that I made in those last few days with both of my grandparents are, you know, life lessons that I'm going to carry with me always. And absolutely, like, they, they've shifted things within me to see that side of our spiritual reality and to see the physical and the spiritual and coming into the world and out of the world and why there's a laboring process with both for some but not for others. And it's also stirred a lot of questions to discover more about our existence and our spiritual um, essence and how that connects to the physical and why it's harder to release than not. But this is probably a topic for a whole new episode. So I'll bring it back on track to grief and grieving. But if you are able to spend that time with the loved ones and to have some closure, like you're never going to have full closure. That's not what I'm asserting here at all. But to have some closure with, the relationship that you've had with them, with any hardships that you've experienced throughout life, it honors not only yourself, but the person who is passing on as well. To have those clean closures, clean energetic threads tidied up. So it's a blessing, really, that keeps on giving in so many ways. And so that's another aspect of the grief journey that you can really reflect on and look at is what what areas are there grudges or hardships or regrets 
um, where have you not felt like you did enough, were enough, you know, not, not so much necessarily with the loss of a loved one, but perhaps the loss of a job or loss of a chapter in life. And really make amends with yourself for you knew what you knew at the time and you did the best you could. And now you have all this additional wisdom from the situation to carry forward. And that really allows you to transmute and alchemize the grief and the negative emotions that come with grief and to inspire more of that hope, that metamorphosis, that butterfly energy into what is coming out on the other side once you emerge. Yeah, and I just want to shout out to the people who are perhaps listening to this show like, oh, man, I missed out. I didn't have that experience um, with a past loved one or even how they could process it with a job, like what came up, what didn't. It's okay. There's no loss because you can still do it from a spirit-to-spirit stance. So even if your past loved one is already gone and you didn't have that time to spend with them, you can absolutely lean into the spirit-to-spirit where you speak to their higher self uh, and correspond that way to gather any of those learnings that were necessary to fully go through that grieving process. Like there's absolutely no loss in not having that. And I know oftentimes within family members, perhaps there's so much dysfunction that you can't have that amicable experience even at the end of their life as they're crossing over. But what you can do is have that amicable, amicable experience with their higher self and really trying to lean into that, what do we need to gather? What do we need to work through from that higher self experience rather than the individual person? There's definitely no loss with this. And I think that's one of my favorite phrases that Janessa has ever come up with uh, as well is there's never any loss. There's always something to be gained. There's always opportunity. There's always, uh, I don't know, like every time I think of Janessa, and even our relationship, I think of the sun versus the moon. And she's always been that like shining light for the people around her too. It's like, there's always that sun, that light after the dark. Thank you. I receive. And now I've totally forgotten what I was going to say. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Like when we start leaning into grief, like I feel like it can get so heavy. Like we can get so trodden into the heaviness of it that we oftentimes overlook like the cheerfulness and the funny that can come through that grieving process too. Like there's those weird memories still that like I can be crying and laughing at the same time through a grieving process. And that goes for even the loss of a job. Like, let me just out myself. I want to say it was, was it 2019 or 2020? It doesn't matter. That time frame where I feel like we all got to experience a grieving process in one form or another Um, I was so sad, so disappointed, so upset, truly grieving that I wasn't selected for a job that I had applied for. And I laugh at myself in retrospect. I didn't even want that job. I didn't like the people I would have been working with. I would have hated having to be that training instructor for material that I didn't even believe in. Like I thought what they were going to have me train was garbage. And if you know me as an Enneagram 7, how happy am I going to be training stuff that's illogical, doesn't make sense, and has no use in an actionary stance? I would have hated my life. 
but at that time I was grieving hardcore like am I not good enough like all of it like I don't understand why I wasn't selected so much anger so much bargaining too of like well maybe if I had done it this way or if I try this then they'll still see me pick me that now when I look back on that process like what a blessing to have been denied something that I would have hated it literally hated and there's not often many things that I hate but looking at that grieving process now like was there sadness yes there's also so much gratefulness that took its place and that true like thank goodness I was connected into that source energy enough that it prevented me from having to have that detrimental experience that would have done nothing but hold me back um, from where I'm going to so I just think, again, another one of Janessa's phrases, there's always that and both. There's more. You can have grief and you can have cheer. You can have grief and still be happy. All of those things can happen together. It's not one or the other. Like, we don't have to Enneagram 7 this of all or nothing. Like, we can definitely choose a couple of things that can happen at the same time. In the middle of the spectrum. <laughs> I've had several people reach out to me since my grandma passed and share stories of losing loved ones and how they have more contact or support from that loved one now across the veil um, in the afterlife than what they felt like they had in the physical, which is such a comforting thing, really. Um, so I just want to to mention that for people who are like living in that void or the loss, if they're feeling as though that loved one is gone, gone, and they're not able to connect with them or don't even know how. SJ has an awesome journey and experience to connect with a past loved one. And I would highly recommend you guys if that is something that would meet you where you are in your journey to check it out and to be able to establish that contact and have that comfort because we are more than just here in the physical. So might as well take advantage of it, right? And if you are interested in learning how to connect more with that spiritual, reach out to us. We can set up a a session or an experience for you guys to start connecting in and, and feeling and communicating with loved ones. So if that's something that would help you in your grief process, we are here for it. Let us know. I know you've done a lot of really beautiful work around when someone has passed, signing, like not signing them up, but moving them over to a guide team rather than staying tethered or attached uh, to them. Can you talk a little bit about how that can look? How can you discern that you are holding on to someone in an imbalanced manner? Well, muscle testing, right? The answer for everything. This is really a much more common, common phenomenon than what you might think just out there listening to this topic. It's something quite common that I experience with new clients because if you think about when you lose someone, especially when you're younger, or someone who's really profound, profound role in your life, 
there's so much that you get from them. So like I was talking about earlier with our needs being met and learning to meet our own needs, when we feel as though there are needs that we can't meet ourselves, unconsciously then we want to stay connected to that individual because they were so steadfast in giving us what we needed. And so it can be a conscious thing, but it's much, much, much more common for it to be unconscious. And it's not always just a person. It can also be a pet. Think about how unconditionally loving and supportive pets are. So also people will attach to the spirit of a lost loved one or pet. And instead of having that attachment, we want connections rather than attachments. Then we can, you know, muscle test and discern if it's best for that energy to stay and be a part of your guide team or your guidance rather than it being attached to it and not working as a team in tandem. I <laughs> think there is more when you're attached to it, it's more of kind of a push-pull energy versus a flow energy. Yeah, and when they're connected to the guide team, like that's one thing that I find so interesting from my men, uh, mentality, <laughs> modalities as well, is that the way you communicate with someone on the guide team can feel a little bit different than a different past loved one that isn't on the guide team. I feel like there's a different motivator for the guide team member versus someone who is just a past loved one. And I say just not in the manner of like they have no role still. That's not at all what I mean. Uh, but certainly it can feel different when you're trying to connect with them. Um, and I feel like one of the best ways to connect with someone on the guide team is actually from that second transpersonal chakra, which is about two feet above your head rather than from the heart chakra, which kind of feels interesting as well, that rather than coming from it from that heart space, you're coming to it from that intuitive guide information, like, hey, I need some assistance here, um, or perhaps even it's just the knowing that they are um, still around. But that second transpersonal chakra, like asking your questions from that space, if someone's on your guide team, can sometimes get a little bit quicker of answers and results coming into play too. Great tip. Um, as you were talking, my brain is doing this thing where it's like, there's six things to say. And then I'm like, I'm not sure what I'm going to say. Uh, I do want to touch just briefly on the overlap between the grieving process and trauma and the Different, you know, we always talk about how trauma, I call it a 16-layer cake. There's a plethora of different emotions that stack upon one another. And there's a lot of similarity between lost trauma and grief. And so I just want to point that out for anyone out there who, you know, is working their own energy um, I know the lost trauma is posted in our Stronger Together community. I was just thinking about if that outline was anywhere else um, because it's a public resource. If you're interested in that, you can reach out to me, fiercelyradiantsoul at yahoo.com. I'd be happy to share it with you. But it's very intriguing to see how the lost trauma and 
grief really seem to go hand in hand. And so being able to address both of those aspects is really important to continuing to move through your own grief process. Yeah, and a couple of like spirit guides too to kind of work with anyone that is working with the more shamanic aspects too when processing through grief, just to go through a few of those. Um, we've already kind of touched on the butterfly and the metamorphosis, which is a great one, but I also think owl is fantastic for trying to connect into the wisdoms that that grief is leaving behind or inside as well to lead us really into more of that introspective place too of what are your wisdoms that you're pulling forward, but perhaps like if it's a past loved one, what are the wisdoms from that individual that you can take forth as well? Um, just like Janessa was talking about earlier, there was a lot of wisdoms from both of her grandparents that came forward that she'll carry with us or with her um, now until forever too. I think we all have that. I think we can reclaim those too if we missed that tangible opportunity to claim those wisdoms and owl energetics is amazing to connect into any wisdoms that you think you need or need to connect with cognitively as well. I also love elephant energetics when grieving too to really connect to those memories and the ones that we want to cherish and pull forward that can bring a lot of comfort and strength to us during the grieving process as well. That elephant energy is beautiful to connect there too. And then uh, two more. I would say wolf, but I don't know if that's just because I adore the wolf energetics to bring forward strength, but also resilience. There's so much resilience that can come forward with that spirit animal uh, as well. So if you kind of feel like you can't do the grieving process, those wolf energetics would be amazing for you to lean in and connect to. And then last but not least is the dolphin energetics of still finding joy, still finding that playful nature and that childhood gleefulness even through the heaviness of grief, Dolphin is there to really remind us to celebrate the positive that came from this. And there's so many positives if you're grieving, because if you're grieving, you also loved. So really connecting into those uh, cherished memories with that Dolphin energetics can bring a lightness to us that we don't often get to connect with or experience with grief as well. So just a couple of spirit guide animals to connect with. You can connect with spirit animals in so many different ways. Sometimes it's literally just looking at the animal. So Google search, connecting, uh, that's one way. Any movies that come forward as well. I mean, when I think of that dolphin energy, what better movie than Flipper to go watch that to try to connect with that cheerfulness and that gleefulness. And I don't know if anybody remembers Flipper, but there's grief within Flipper as well as that joy and that cheerfulness. So I think oftentimes like modern technology and media has given us gifts that we often overlook. Like there's an easy way to connect with dolphin as your spirit animal or the energetics of it just by watching a show of Flipper that was designed for children. So much wisdom within some of those childhood shows as well. Of course, Shamanic Journey if you want to get into those, uh, definitely is a way to connect with any of those spirit animal energetics. There's quite a few of those options within our Stronger Together platform, but YouTube is also a great place 
probably search for dolphin journeys and I bet you can find a shamanic journey that you can either modify or one that's already detailed for that too. So, so many, so many options to connect with the shamanic aspects or modalities. Flipper, I love this. And the joy is so true. I swam with the dolphins and you literally feel their joy and they're so intelligent. Uh, as we're getting closer to the top of the hour, I do want to just acknowledge the mess of grief. Grief is just messy. I mean, I know that we have been speaking about the gifts and the revealing and the learning, and it really does have a lot of good things to offer, but it's not necessarily a process to keep nice and tidy and to color within the lines and, you know, to just go in your closet and cry alone. Like, grief is messy. It just is. It's part of the human experience. It's part of the unfold that SJ was talking about. Like, yeah, there is a lot of positive to it. And yes, there's also a lot of emotion to it. There's a lot of not comfortable parts of it. And that's okay. The thing really about our mess is that we lack the confidence that we're going to come out the other side. And we have this fear that we, you know, we don't know how to get through it. And so are we ever going to make it through? And if you're in a grief cycle that really legitimately is lasting one to two years, or if you're experiencing complex grief where it's been several years, it's not just two years, it can be such a discouragement to not really have confidence that you're going to come out the other side of it. And so I just want to really acknowledge and speak to, you know, the messy part of grief. And that's okay. Like, it doesn't mean that you're less than. It doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you're not going to make it through. It doesn't mean that you're making a bigger mess because you feel like a mess or you have messy emotions as you go through it. If you haven't heard our episode on emotions, go back and listen to that because we talk about how our emotions really do have wisdom for us. They have gifts to offer us. And so all of those messy emotions that come through, they come through with gifts too. Just oftentimes we really want to not feel that negative emotion so badly that we also ignore or don't take the time to look at what it is that it's offering us. Yeah, and if you want to kind of explore more of that grief process or you want assistance uh, with moving through that, that is what we're focusing all month in the Stronger Together community as well. So I invite you to come into that community and that space. Uh, you can find access points, of course, within the Eyes Wide Open platform here, but also on FiercelyRadiantSoul.com or CrystalInCurrents.com too. Janessa and I both offer connection calls too, which you can find upon our websites or within our Facebook page, Stronger Together. Uh, I would love to have you in there and explore that grief process with us as a collective. Full wisdom that is shared within that group where there are so many different perspectives of people who are truly walking much the same path, though. And with that, we just gather the wisdoms from other people's experiences or family dynamics that we wouldn't have the opportunity to if it wasn't happening in that group setting. 
So I just feel like we get so much from group settings that we would never get in an individual one-on-one basis that truly is worthwhile of diving in and seeing if that's a good fit for you as well. Group would have never been something I would have leaned into in my early days. And now that I've experienced it, there's nothing better uh, than really coming to a space of a community that is supportive and also really invested in not just themselves, but each other's learned experiences and moving through life and traversing it so much more gracefully, knowing that you're not doing it alone. So I invite you to come into that space with us as well. Yeah, for sure. And it was so profound seeing the change in people's thinking and feeling from the beginning call to the end, like mind blowing. So we are at the top of the hour. Join me back here next week for another episode with just yours truly. And until then, friends, keep your eyes wide open.